Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 115 of the Adam Shine Podcast. And the featured guest this week, the best in the business, one of my role models. I wrote him a letter. When I was in college, she wrote me back instantly. Syracuse University, Newhouse School of Public Communications, WAER icon from the NFL and CBS, from TNT, from the Yes Network. My guy, the always entertaining and outstanding Ian Eagle, is the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast. And we will talk to Ian about his career, about the AFC, about Kevin Durant, about his humor, about his burner account for Twitter, which he most certainly has. And we'll talk to him about Noah, his son, who has become an incredible play-by-play voice of the L.A. Clippers. I spent the weekend with Katie and my son, Theo, traveling what feels like the Northeast, an unbelievable trip. We're looking at camps for Theo, for Sleepaway Camp. He wants to go to Sleepaway Camp. We did a dream day, one of those things, where my daughters go, which was great. We looked at a couple of camps in Maine, looked at a camp, another camp in in the Berkshires. I mean, just a beautiful weekend in the Northeast. The weather in Maine is unreal. I'm telling you, Portland, Maine, if you haven't been, just an incredible city. Went for a jog early in the morning. I mean, it's incredible seafood. Went to an incredible meal. Just outstanding in terms of the meal that we had. Oysters, which was unbelievable. Eventide Oyster Company in Maine. The lobster roll, the fish sandwich, the fried chicken sandwich, the whoopie pie dessert, the ice cream. I mean, I just kept eating on this trip. It was Non-stop. Got some New England clam chowder. I can't do a, a Boston accent. Won't even try. Food in Maine. Air in Maine. The lake. I mean, you know, the restaurants. There's such a great vibe in Portland. It was it was just incredible. I'm, I, I've been to Portland twice. Been to Maine twice. I can't wait to go back. It was, it was just awesome. Then we went to the Berkshires. Went to Tanglewood for the first time. My wife, Katie, was, wanted to do that forever. Saw, I mean, she wants to see James Taylor there on July 4th at some point. You know, we saw the, the Boston Symphony. I'm not a classical music guy, but it was awesome. I did play the piano growing up, so I could appreciate the piano player. I mean, uh, the Beethoven, it was, it was unbelievable. Not exactly me when I was a kid playing November Rain, but, but I digress. Now, Bob Stew, our senior executive producer, is back with me 
after he took the month off as a diehard Nets fan because he was an observant of the summer of Durant. Now, before Bob was our outstanding radio and podcast producer, he owned a cheese shop. He still won't tell me the name of that cheese shop. I've been begging him to get the name of that cheese shop forever. So part of the beauty in the in in the Berkshires and and going to Tanglewood, you know, we sat outside. Theo was one of the few kids there, you know, have this unbelievable spread, get get food, get. So I thought of you. I walk into this market with Katie and Theo, you know, get get a drink, get a beverage, fried chicken, all this different food, and we get cheese and and we get sausage and meat. I mean, the whole thing was unbelievable. So, you know I'm not a huge cheese guy. I don't know if it was the whole spirit of the thing, but the cheese was unbelievable that I had. So, I had some great Bray Yarlsboro. Is that acceptable in your mind for the quality of the cheese that we opted to go with sitting outside, having this majestic picnic with uh, hundreds and thousands of other people waiting for the Boston Symphony? (laughs) I love it. First of all, I love that you had a picnic. And yes, you have to have cheese in a picnic, Adam, all the time. Absolutely. I'm a massive bread and cheese guy for a picnic. If you don't bring bread and you don't bring cheese to a picnic, just don't come. I don't want you at my picnic. I don't want you anywhere near me. But yeah, I think the choice of brie was perfect for the picnic. Now, the one problem I have with brie a lot of times when people serve it at parties or they bring it out, they don't cut the brie. you got to pre-cut the brie because otherwise people won't eat it. That's the big secret to the cheese. When you make a good cheese platter, Adam, I can tell you this from personal experience, you got to cut it into pieces. Nobody's, nobody's slicing a wheel of cheese at a table. It's not happening. So, yes, you can absolutely bring brie to the picnic. I love that choice. What did you also bring? You said you brought Yarlsboro cheese. What did you bring? Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, and I, I love the combo. I had this, like, peach jam, which was okay. unbelievable. You know, it put it with, with some sausage. I mean, you had, like, yeah. the meat stick working. I mean, the whole <laughs> thing was awesome, Bob. It was, it was right out of the Bob Stew playbook. That's just an incredible combination for your picnic. I mean, you nailed it all. You you brought everything that you would essentially Good. need with cheese. I, I give you an A plus for the picnic, Adam. I I've always been a huge picnic fan. I haven't been on a picnic in a long time. Same. I used to do a lot of hikes with the picnic. You know, the picnic is the reward. You hike up a mountain. Here's your picnic with your cheese and your bread. That used to be the big reward for me. So I'm a huge picnic guy. I, I, I'm really in favor of what you've done here. Just a beautiful trip to Maine there. Beautiful. So we go to Maine. We go to the Berkshires. Drive back to where we are in New York. And, you know, we, we, we belong to a club. And I have to officially say that out loud because you know how I always say it on radio and TV. And the president of, of the club, he's heard me say this. He loves the show. Big Syracuse guy. And, and I, you know, maybe it's because, you know, I went to the town pool growing up. Right. But I can now, I say the place we swim. Now I'll officially say we belong to a club. That, you know, I, have to, I have to embrace it. I love it. I'm obsessed with the place that we belong. It's great. A lot of friends. Great things for the kids. Great things for us. So there's a cornhole tournament, right? And my buddy Dave and I are playing. Katie's playing with, with his wife. And, you know, everyone. There, you have people. It's, you know, there's a keg of beer. Having fun. You know, some people take this cornhole thing very seriously. Very seriously. I put a picture up. I'm wearing the official cornhole hats, right? So I, I every year, you're, I'm in it for the swag. You get this great hat. You got to have the mesh in the back. You know, I'm running. I'm on the elliptical, the peloton, playing tennis. You got to have the mesh in the back for the summer hat. I do it for the swag. It's fun. We're having fun. You know, I played great, shockingly, for the first game we played. 
My buddy Dave is an excellent athlete, lacrosse star in college, Division One, and he wants to win at everything, right? That's that's the way he's wired, even even Cornell. But he's not over the top. He's not crazy. I mean, some of these people, it's, it's nuts. So we win our first game. We have a tough matchup in the second one. We win. I play great. Third one, I play terrible. We got destroyed. So it's double elimination. We went in the pool. We, we went in the pool. It was hot. Theo wanted to swim. So Dave played tennis in the morning. So we just gave up. Went to the pool. Didn't think anything of it. Wow. All of a sudden, I got people running to the pool. Where are you? So we, we had to have that moment like running out of the pool, right? No, no shirt on. You know, running to go play. You know, the guys who we were playing against, they're waiting patiently for us. Missed the cornhole. We took a practice round, right? Missed the board four consecutive times on the four throws with the beanbags. Then we start for real. The guy hits four straight right in the middle of the hole. Right, I was sabotaged. I was set up. So we come out of the pool. We run out. You know, Danny LaRusso is going to fight, right? Like, you know, okay, here we go. Taking on one of the, the great teams and the champs. And, and all of a sudden, I lose. Dave and I lose in Cornhole. Wow. 21 nothing. 21-0. Bob. 21 nothing. I I think, you know, and Dave's a close friend. I think he's slightly annoyed at me. It wasn't all my fault. And uh, you know, got to credit the opposition. He scored 0-2. He didn't yeah, score no, any no, points. No, 100%. Yeah. You know, Dave, from this fantasy league that, that I have you looped in and roped into. I mean, I think this is officially the low point of my athletic career. Yeah. Losing 21 nothing in cornhole. I mean... <laughs> I don't think you come back from that, right? I don't think you come back from that. They were clearly either ringers at him. It's like David Wells throwing a perfect game out there. <laughs> like, nobody saw that coming, these guys. I, they set you up. And I, I had something similar happen to me last year, too, Adam. I wasn't in a cornhole tournament. It was a bocce tournament. And I show up to this bocce tournament, Adam, and we're playing against 70, 80-year-old <laughs> men and women. I'm not even kidding. You know, we, it was a charity event. It's supposed to be a lot of fun. It's me and my cousin Ryan. We go to this 70, 80-year-old women, and we got our asses kicked. Yeah, I don't even yeah. think we scored a single point. They yeah. were so unbelievable. And we're sitting there like, he, he played lacrosse in college. You know, I was a really good high school baseball player, and we got destroyed. It was the same kind of thing. We look at the competition. We're laughing a little bit, and then the, the game begins, and <laughs> we just got wiped off the court. I don't think we're going back to any, any kind of bocce tournament again, Adam. It was that but, bad. But you just nailed it. I think I have to give my retirement papers. You know, yeah. give me the hat. I want the free swag. I'm going to use it. I have a collection of these, right? But I think I have to – losing 21 nothing. Now, I could play in non-competitive with the kids, with friends, right? I think I officially need to retire permanently from cornhole. There's no – from competitive cornhole. Yeah, Even fake competitive cornhole. You haven't yeah. played bocce since. I think I have to retire yeah. off of that. Yeah, every time I drive by that bocce court on the way to the shore, Adam, I have bad memories. Like I'm not doing the bocce anymore. And, and listen, professional cornhole, you can always play it at a party and still have a great time. But – I don't know. The competitive juices, I don't think they were flowing that day for you at the club. And i got to tell you, the club scene very different, Adam, from my time. I love it. The, the, the cornhole. The tennis. Tennis. You got it all. Yeah. tennis. Yeah. That's a cool club. I talked club. to Patrick McEnroe about that on a prior episode. I love it, Bob. Yeah, you got to love the club scene, Adam. I, I'm into it. I'm really into it. But that, that sounds like a rough, rough, rough weekend for you and Dave. 21 nothing. 21 nothing. Wow. I mean, that's... 
you know, and, I, and I'll take him out of it because, you know, he's, he's you know, too, I don't really care. He's, you know, he, not that he cares. He doesn't care at all. But, you know, I don't want that on his resume. I'm, he, he's too accomplished of an athlete. And me, I'll put it on mine. But I think I have to call it a career. You know, I'll be in for the keg. I'll be, I'll be in for the hat. I'll be in for the hang. But I think I am retiring from official cornhole. But I do. I do love this hat. I also love Iron Eagle. And he's a featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast coming up next. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Mike Babchick from Morning Man and Mad Dog Sports Radio. When you are done listening to Shine, come hear me as I roast them. It's Babchick's morning after the podcast. We try to make sure our bosses never find out about it. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast. He's the best to ever do it behind the microphone calling games. My guy, the great Ian Eagle. Ian, how are you? Shine time, man. I know things are happening. I know football is right around the corner when you and I get to have this time together. So excited and great to be with you, bud. You know, there's a lot of different ways I can start the conversation, but let's let's just piggyback off that. The excitement for football. And look, you know, I don't want to be subject to hyperbole or exaggeration, but no, I, no. I mean, never. I would never, no. never be that guy. But I, the quarterback play in the teams in the AFC, I mean, I've never seen anything like this in terms of hype for an upcoming season. Yeah, it's it's this general feeling now that you look over in this corner, you say, ooh, that's shiny, that's new, that's different. But then you look over there and you say, wait, whoa, whoa, I think I might like that even more. Uh, the, The AFC West in particular strikes me as such an intriguing battle that's going to play out over the course of the season and the Russell Wilson dynamic, which could change everything. To me, that's among the top five questions going into the NFL season. Does he bring that mentality? Does it permeate throughout the city of Denver 
And does that team respond? We knew last year defensively they made strides, and a lot of that has to do with Vic Fangio and the job that he did on that side of the ball. Well, Vic's not there. They made some very big decisions about their organization. Now let's see if some of that sticks and some of the promise that we believe offensively really comes together. I want to see where that team is at come December. I don't want to judge them in September and make an across-the-board generalization of what their season is going to be. I'm excited about the Broncos. I'm excited about the Raiders this year. Yep. That Devontae Adams pickup, the Chandler Jones pickup, Josh McDaniels now as the head coach. I'm really high on the Raiders this year. What's your take on on the Raiders' thumbnail sketch, and how good do you think they could be this upcoming season? Yeah, that was a complete soap opera last year, and me, Charles Davis, Evan Washburn – happened to be there during some key points along the way. So when the bottom dropped out that week uh, with John Gruden, he still coached. We worked that game. It was odd. It was strange. You felt another shoe was going to drop. You just didn't know in what form. And then once the other emails were publicly released, you knew that changes were going to take place. Well, fast forward deeper in the year when you just assume they're done, it's over, and they would find a way. And I think looking back on it, it is a testament to the guys in that locker room. It's certainly uh, Derek Carr has to be applauded for how he dealt with it. And now they're in better shape. They have more playmakers. They have a head coach who – has done this before, understands it, not in this position. Sure. Uh, his time in Denver, Adam, you know and I know, you you probably talked about it quite a bit on your radio show, and certainly I was feeling it doing the NFL on CBS every week. It didn't go according to plan. It got off to a great start, yeah. if memory serves. Yeah. Uh, it's funny sometimes with some of Bill's assistants, it can start out pretty good, and then unfortunately – things go a a bit awry. I think Josh is much better equipped for this run, for handling the media, dealing with his players, communication, being upfront, being honest, being his own man. And I, I think they have a chance to take the next step. And if you're Derek Carr, to me, this was the best case scenario. There was not a better option considering how everything went last year. I think he's got now a puncher's chance to be one of those guys that we see later in their career really come through and deliver in playoff situations, not just regular season, playoff situations. That's the way they have to look at it. I've always been a Derek Carr fan. I think you could take his game, his name, his team to a different level for all the reasons you documented. How about Tyreek Hill? The impacts on the Miami Dolphins, you're yep. buying that that offense. I do like Mike McDaniel. I, I think Tua can be good. I want to see if he can be great. And, and also, I am the domino effect on Kansas City because, you know, you called a lot of those Mahomes to Hill yep. magical moments. And look, it's still Mahomes. It's still Andy Reid. But that's going to be a different Kansas City offense. Yeah, let's start with the Kansas City side. Uh, I would tell you that they will take a hit. As dynamic as they are, as creative as Andy Reid is, he's a tremendous play caller. He's a tremendous game planner. He knows how to use his people. But when you don't have the horses that you once had, 
I don't care what you can draw up. There are going to be some issues just based on the the lack of explosion that this team has had in recent years. You didn't know who to cover. And now you kind of have an idea of who to cover in Kansas City. So take that now and try to speculate on Miami. It's a shot in the arm. There's no doubt about it. Tyreek Hill brings a dynamic element to their team that they were lacking. The part that I would just be a little bit cautious, and I think he's got ridiculous talent. I do believe he's dedicated. I do believe he wants to be the best. All of those, you check the box. The only issue that I would have potentially is that Andy Reid ran not outwardly a tight ship, but there was a sense of responsibility within that locker room and the checks and balances were in place because of the respect that Andy had. Mike might get there, but that's going to be a little bit of a give and take and the maturity of Tyreek and him managing his own emotions in game where we've seen it, where he's lost his cool, where he gets upset. He's not getting the ball that always seemed to balance out in KC and maybe they dealt with it behind closed doors. The combustibility in Miami is my only concern. I think it's laid out to be successful, but that means you got to be patient with your QB, Tua. He's not Patrick Mahomes. Mistakes will be made. Uh, There'll be deep shots that are not cashed in on where Tyreek looks around and says, what happened? And he's got to be able to deal with that in a mature way and not allow it to seep into the rest of the team. I love what you're saying about combustibility. It's a great word choice in Miami. And I, I'm with you. I've been screaming it since the trade on, on Kansas City. Let me give you a take on a power ranking in the AFC. Tell me if you buy it, why or why not. All right. Bills are the best team. The Chargers are number two. And with then him. the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, elaborate on that on, on the Chargers. I love that you agree with that. All right, well, just quickly on Buffalo, we've seen this. Adam, you've been around this for so long. There are teams that get to a certain level, and then you're not sure. Is that it? Is that the ceiling? Can they ever get to that one next step for Buffalo that is getting back to the Super Bowl and ultimately being a team that can win the Super Bowl? I believe they can. I don't believe we've seen the best of them. I think Josh Allen is just hitting his groove of – the team believing in him, him believing in all of his abilities, being able to harness it and pick and choose his spots and not just go out there and try to throw the ball through a brick wall or chuck it deeper than everybody else or run faster than everybody else or run over defenders. He's now gotten to a point where he recognizes he's got command of the situation that he's in. And their personnel is beyond impressive. I think the coaching staff They've adjusted with each year. I love how Sean McDermott has made some changes along the way, even to the way he handles things and divides up some of the responsibilities. To me, they did not hit their ceiling. They're ready, and it's their time. The Chargers, how can you not think about how it ended last year? If you're an NFL fan, you look at it, and I got to be honest, I vacillated in the moment. I agreed with Coach Staley. I agreed with the mentality. Go for it. Try to win. That's the point. Win. 
But now, <laughs> when you saw the result, you felt it. You felt an off season of of something missing, a void, and the fact that you didn't give your stud quarterback a chance to be in the playoffs and go on a run. By the way, Adam, that Cincinnati went on. That's right. That's right. That could have easily been the Chargers. Absolutely. One hundred percent. They could have caught fire and been their own version of the Bengals where everybody's talking about them on a different plane and they didn't even get into the batter's box. So that's why I've swung a little back and forth. Now, look, you get paid a lot of money to make those decisions at the moment. I really believe that he did it from a good place, which is I'm trying to teach my team something winning doing it together, doing it the right way. So Mixed feelings about all that. I still believe this team has all the makings. They're better. I believe they're going to be better than they were last year. I think Herbert keeps climbing. He's got superstar potential. Special. I hope uh, the coach has learned some things. He's a really smart guy. He's an excellent communicator. And now it's a matter of translating that every Sunday. Games that you're supposed to win – if you're the Chargers, you got to win this year. There's no more of this, well, it was even footing it. No. no. No, no, You win the games you're supposed to win in the NFL. You win a few of the games that maybe you're not supposed to win. You look up, you've got 12 wins, 11 or 12 wins. This is a team that should be in that general vicinity. They're good enough to say that they could be a 13 and, and 14 when it's all said and done. I don't think that's exaggeration. I'm with you completely. And I, I think they could have made a run last year. I think they will make a run this year. I think Herbert's special. I think the defense and offense could both be top five in the NFL. Yeah. Talent-wise, coaching-wise, I, I think the world of what Tom Telesco has put together on that roster, and I love Justin Herbert. I, and I want to get your take on what's going on here with, with Kevin Durant. And, you know, we're taping this on, on August 1st. It's exactly 1.43 Eastern time. Just, just in case something breaks right after we're done taping, I want to make sure that we stamp this thing. But You're like look. Vin Scully, Adam. You, you just stamped <laughs> our podcast. That's right. That's right. It's stamped. It can never be unstamped. Once you stamp, you can't unstamp. That's the way it works. It's stamped. It's stamped. I mean, I think Sean Marks has kind of handled the summer of Durant's brilliantly. What's yep. what's your read here on the latest with Kevin Durant and how this all plays out for Brooklyn? Look, I think it's very natural when a stunning announcement is made to react the way that everybody did. And rightfully so, when Kevin Durant came out publicly and basically stated that he wanted a trade, there was going to be a huge domino effect. This was going to affect the league. This is one of the best players, not just right now, but of all time. And he's come out publicly and said he wants to play elsewhere. The problem was for Kevin, he had just signed a long-term deal. So it's this is not simple. This is not an easy fix. This is not from the Nets perspective. Yeah, no problem, Kate. You got it, man. We'll just we'll figure this out in the next 48 hours and and get you out of here. I felt from the beginning that they were going to be in it for the long haul. They were not going to settle. They recognized that this can affect legacies. If you're Sean Marks, and yeah. I don't think he's thinking about that on a personal level, but macro view. 
you're a GM in the NBA, you are remembered by those moments. You're remembered by those big deals that are made and your draft record. These are all things of record. Everything is there for anyone to research if you want to look up a GM. That's why, Adam, you have relationships all around sports. If you talk to general managers, and I found this out very early in my career, they will stick with decisions that they made years beyond. Absolutely. Even when you have data that might show, eh, that might not have been the best. They'll give you 20 reasons why. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't jump to conclusions. Yeah, but the guy didn't work out. Yes, but A, B, C, D. GMs, their transactions are their life. So if you're Sean Marks, this is not a quick, simple, snap your fingers, you've got a deal. I I really believe from the beginning they were going to hold out for something special. And if something special did not come around, which as of this moment, it has not, then they're okay with the idea of going back into 22-23 with the personnel that they have and the hope that they stay healthy and there is no issue with uh, COVID and whether or not a player can be eligible and they can see what this team looks like with KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. We've not seen them play one minute together. One. So at some point you want to see your vision and Kyrie's got one year left on his deal after the opt-in. KD has four years left on his deal. There could be a meeting of the minds at some point to determine that it's in everyone's best interest to run it back for one year and see what this team is capable of. I think so. And, you know, last year there was no chemistry. As you said, those guys didn't play a second together. The uh, James Harden situation, use my words at the time, was a complete utter fiasco. It was I mean, a mess. That, it was a mess. It was a mess for, for Brooklyn. And, you know, the, the chemistry just it never got a chance. It was dead on arrival <laughs> right from the get-go. So let's say this team does have time. And even if Kevin's angry and he's upset, I mean, he's an all-time brilliant offensive performer. And in theory, basketball-wise, KD, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, they could be great together, perfect, complementary parts together. Compare and contrast to maybe some of these other teams eyeing in the Eastern Conference, how good could the Nets be next year? Yeah, the interesting part to me watching Kyrie now for the last three seasons up close and personal. He's not a natural point guard. He's just gifted. You can put him at the two guard position with a Ben Simmons and those two can work together. Ben does not need to score. That is not his main thought process. He will move the ball. He will set screens. He'll get down inside and battle for loose balls. He's made his name and uh, his money based on his all-around skills and point guard abilities. So you can play the two of them together and feel very comfortable. And the concerns you would have had with a Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving, defensively, Ben can shoulder a lot of the load. Kyrie at the two in a normal setup. I know we're, we're in a new age of basketball where it's almost positionless. But Kyrie at the two, under normal circumstances, you say, ooh, defensively, I don't, well, you don't have to worry. You can switch it up. 
Absolutely. Kyrie can guard the opposing point guard who might be a bit more diminutive. And Ben Simmons can guard the opposing two guard or small forward. Mix and match. Joe Harris could guard a two and Ben could guard the three. Ben could guard a five. You know, that's why they're so excited about the defensive possibilities. I think more than anything else, Adam, when, when it comes right down to it, there has to be communication. And that's probably an area where things had been lacking. And it's not because the Nets didn't try. I think the Nets have done everything in their power to make everyone feel welcome when they come to the team. And that's not to say that KD is standoffish. I think it's just a matter of a mentality at this point of this team has a chance to do something special. Do I want to be a part of it? Or it's irreparable. And I've got my reasons why I'm not coming back. And I don't think Kevin Durant is the type that would sit out. No, no. He he is now in line, Adam, if you start looking at all-time numbers, to move up lists. That requires games played. Absolutely. He missed an entire season already because of the injury. You want to miss a large portion of another season? I don't think so. He's a baller. Uh, he's a gamer. I think if they can come together and find some mutual ground, there is an avenue in which this thing could be saved for at least a portion of the season to see how it feels and whether or not uh, they can make this work on the court. I, and I think some of the beauty of your work forever is, you know, if, it, if it's a December game, that's Cleveland. I'm watching. I want to hear your play-by-play. Thanks. You're going to entertain me. You know, blowout game, you know, Patriots, Jets. I'm yeah. listening. You're going to entertain. You're always – you know how to sell a game, sell a moment, sell an audience. But it's those big moments, big games, you know, playoff game, NBA, NFL, the slam dunks, the jawbreaker. Yeah. I mean, it's as great and as majestic, <laughs> as classic as it gets. Do you have – an all-time favorite in-moment call. Man, uh, I'd like to think it hasn't happened yet, that there are still some big events in my future that will produce something that will be a no-doubter. But look, NFL, every week you get the opportunity to call the best players in the world, and every game means so much. Yeah. You do years and years of Tom Brady. You do years and years of Peyton Manning games. You do years and years of these AFC matchups with a little NFC sprinkled in. And then the chance to do radio, playoff games, uh, championship level games, AFC championship the last couple of years for Westwood One. You just know when you show up, there's a chance that you might witness something special and historic and something that stands out. The two playoff games I did on TV this past year, to me, are the greatest examples of what the NFL is about. You have Buffalo completely dominating New England in frigid Arctic temperatures. And the calls from those games will be all-time calls for Buffalo Bills fans because it was this very almost religious moment of these fans coming together, playing the Patriots on their home turf, Buffalo's home turf, packed house, uh, the conditions. 
and it's touchdown, 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 touchdown. It was incredible. And then a week later, you go to Tennessee, you get the number one seed, you get this upstart Cincinnati squad, you get a young quarterback, you get a rookie kicker, and they come up with one of the great wins in franchise history. So within one week, tight game, everything coming down to the wire, you get a blowout, and it's your job to keep people interested, and then you get literally a final second playoff win and how you handle it, the command of that as a broadcaster. When you work all those games for all those years, you'd like to think some of that seeps in to your mentality of, of how to do this job and how to, how to try to do it well. And that's the same for doing games upon games upon games, NBA and college basketball you get to the big moments. You get to Kentucky St. Peter's. Yeah. And you feel ready and you feel hopefully prepared to meet the moment. That That's really all it comes down to in play-by-play. You want to meet the moment. There are times maybe where your call can elevate a moment if it's just perfect timing, perfect wording, perfect uh, vocal control. But the last thing you want is to play back the highlight or the moment and feel underwhelmed that you didn't get there, that you didn't match. And that's what keeps me so uh, into this and excited about you're excited to do your job. That, that comes across every time you're on the air, Adam. Yep. And I try to bring that same philosophy. Any game I do, it could be a Tuesday night NBA game. It could be a huge Sunday game. It could be a week six Thursday night radio game with two teams that are not going to be in the playoffs, but it matters. If it matters to you, and certainly if it matters to the audience, then it's pretty simple. I, I don't I don't think it's that intricate of analysis to figure out where your your engagement level should be. Oh, you nailed it. And you know, you've always had this unbelievable sense of humor. I mean, your live reads for for promos or commercials. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 funny. I mean, it's just you you it's like the Seinfeld. You can't be not funny if you tried. I mean, you're just naturally funny. Was there a moment growing up and you know, your dad could have been part of this, you know, maybe it was with classmates or you're in school or school play or whatever it is. We said, "Wow." I'm funny, and I like the reaction here. Was was there a moment for you? That said, "All right, I can make people laugh, and this this is a good thing." All of the above, truly, uh, from as far back as I can remember. Now, keep in mind, because of my parents' background, my dad was a stand-up comedian, actor, musician. My mom was a singer, actress, entertainer. That's all I knew. Yeah. I, I just knew of them <laughs> going out there doing their thing. And I just assumed, all right, well, this is normal. And then you at some point realize it is anything but normal. It is the most abnormal life you could possibly have because for them, there was no consistent job. It was go out and grind and get out there and make people laugh or make them feel a certain way or entertain them. So when that's your way of life, and as a kid, you know, my my dad had been married once before my marriage to my mom, to the marriage to my mom. So he had two kids, but I was basically an only child. They're my sisters, half sisters. I never lived with them. So when you're out there as the only fly on the wall for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, and literally, I'm telling you, I would 
I would see their shows every weekend of my life mm. for the first six, seven years of my life. That's all you know. And at one point, you know, I might have been six. They would bring me on stage and I would do a five minute act of impressions as Howard Cosell, Muhammad Ali, wow. WC Fields, and sometimes in front of a thousand people at the Concord Hotel, big venues, and they'd stick me in a in a handsome suit with a bow tie. <laughs> but like child labor laws probably came into question. We could go back. I I would have to talk to my local rep. But you know, Adam, I just went out there. I didn't yeah. question it. I didn't yeah. say to my dad, like, I'm not doing that. I said, Oh yeah, that sounds great. And I did it for about eight, nine months and then grew tired of it and said to him one day, like, I think I'm done. And that was it. I was retired from uh, from my career in the Borscht Belt. But <laughs> when you have that mentality at six, then, of course, going to school or being a ham or trying to crack up oh, your yeah. classmates and even teachers. I mean, I, I was fortunate that I walked the line pretty well. Uh, there were a couple of times where I crossed it and and I had to pay the price for it. Uh, I had one particular teacher, uh, Richard Slatis was his name. Great teacher, fifth grade. And we had a really nice rapport. He knew I was sarcastic and he accepted it. But one day he kind of dressed me down in front of the class and I took umbrage to it. And then I, I put my hand up and and I, I said, uh, well, let me ask you a question, Dick. <laughs> Straight face. And he stopped <laughs> and the class waited for a moment. And then he was stunned. And I literally asked the question again, tossing in his name was Richard. Of so course. Yes. An important part of the story. Yes. Yes. Very yes. important. Yes. And I did get sent to Dr. Bechtold's office, <laughs> the, the principal. And my dad, one of the few times my dad happened to be home, they called my dad. He had to come and pick me up and now walk me out. He explained what happened. And my father's taking it in and he literally said what was said. And we walk out of school and, and he turned to me and he said, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. What a reaction from your dad, by the way. Like, maybe don't yeah. do it again, but uh, just so you know. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah, I didn't get grounded. Let's put no. it that way. Within, within a stand-up comedian's fatherly instincts, he gave me credit for the line. So Now, we know that you've done a TikTok because at my WAER <laughs> Hall of Fame induction, you did That's a right. TikTok with my daughter, Maya, who all she wanted, I got to do a TikTok with Iron Eagle. I said, Maya, whatever you want to do, that's great. You know, tell her friends, I'm doing it with Iron Eagle. Great. So you've been on TikTok. Yeah. Now, I know you don't tweet, even though you do have no. a, a burner account. Now, I do. What, what do you use it for? Because you're so funny. Like, you, you wouldn't use Twitter to post a picture with Charles Davis and Evan Washburn and say, no. you know, Bengals, Ravens, next on CBS. <laughs> that, that's not no. what you're going to use it for. No. But, but what do you do with this burner account? And isn't there a moment everywhere you say, man, this would be a funny tweet? <laughs> no. <laughs> not one? I just say it. I just say the line out loud to whoever's in my presence, and I get a laugh, and that's enough. I, and that's I don't it. need. I don't need the pat on the back from from uh, my my tweeps. Uh, no, the, the reality for me, I, I made a very conscious decision. And I think it was a smart one for me 
back when Twitter came around, and it's it's interesting, you can relate to this. It hit at a time where I was high enough within the industry that my employers couldn't make me do it. So the way it was approached by whoever I was working for at the time, which happens to be the people I still work for, was, hey, would you be interested in this? So they asked as opposed to telling me. There were broadcasters that they were saying, hey, look, we need you to do this. Yeah. yeah. And that's just one of those things within our industry, within every industry, don't get me wrong, of where you stand, where your stature is. And I just gotten to that level where uh, there was almost an unspoken understanding of, hey, look, we'll, we're going to check with you before we demand something. I just know when the season gets going, in all sincerity, I am juggling like nobody's business to try to do as well as I can on all of these different assignments, whether NFL, TV, radio, NBA, local, national, college basketball. I'm trying to keep my head above water, do quality work, be prepared, and deliver. Deliver in those moments. And I thought anything that could take me away from that, even if it's a funny thought, funny idea, uh, thoughtful uh, philosophy, I just didn't see how it would benefit me. And that's why I made the decision. It's incredible how quickly you can get information. When I land after a long flight, if I don't get internet on the plane, look, I'm on and I'm scrolling to catch up in life. And it's addicting as hell. I know that. I just know watching TikToks, you know, it's the summer. So I have more freedom and more downtime and less stress. You can go down a rabbit hole. Scroll. Hours. You look up, you go, what happened? What am I doing? Yeah. Literally. Yeah. What's happened? What am I yeah. doing with my life? You have those moments <laughs> yeah. where, you, where you think that. Now, was I entertained? Yes. But you just go, boom, boom, boom. You're on automatic pilot. Yeah. And I just, I know that uh, I do have an addictive personality. So it probably would not have been a wise choice back in the day yeah so we'll just have to get the you know i have a question for you dick from other places for being <laughs> yeah. your presence all right i'm where i yeah i mean not really though you don't feel that not, bad. not that badly he, all right he called me out and he did and then you know but you learned that that was the right thing to do all right final question i'm wearing a cosmos shirt just for the sake of this this interview from from marshall street yeah cosmos pizza yes right from marshall not street. not new york cosmos not Pele, no, 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 no. Canalia. No, Cosmos. Marshall Street. So Syracuse. when yes. you were in Syracuse, whether it was bar, restaurant, favorite place on Marshall Street. Well, I was a varsity guy and it's still there. And I believe it's an institution. Is it the best pizza ever? It is not. It is not. But the wings are excellent. The patty melt is to die for. To die for, yeah. And it answered a lot of my perceptions of what an on-campus hangout was supposed to be. And that's how I always visualized it. So that was my number one go-to. Bar-wise, it really was based on circumstance. My freshman year, there was a bar called Bragg's uh, that would accept fake IDs and yes. not question you. Yes. I To this day, freshman year, I... I forget about, I lost my jacket. That goes without saying. <laughs> I lost my shirt. 
Like Wait, to what? this day, I still have no idea. I had no shirt. I walked home. It was early December. Oh, that was my, my question. Wait, so it, it's cold in Syracuse. December, you have yes. no shirt. I had no jacket and no shirt. <laughs> and to this day, I don't know what happened. That was an issue. So Bragg's turned into Harry's, turned into 44s, yep. turned into Fagan's yep. senior year. I was young. I had skipped the grade as a kid. I skipped third grade. And I probably missed out on a great deal. Like I could easily have been the Billy Madison character. I missed out on a lot of emotional development. So I didn't turn 21 until my second semester senior year. Oh, wow. But I had uh, alternate means uh, to get in. But Fagans, they were tougher. You know, they would quiz you on your ID. Oh, and you if you stammered, yeah, they do that. They would rub it. They And... You know, I had one one incident that did not go the right way where they took the ID, you know, one of those. Uh, so I had stayed away from Fagan's a lot of the time. And then, you know, second semester senior year, I just basically that was it. I didn't where go was the, Where was the fake ID from? What state? I had a Delaware. Uh, first one was New York. The thing was, it was a real ID. It was just a different person. So it wasn't me, the picture. <laughs> But it was close enough where if a guy looked down and looked up, looked right. down. Uh, so that was Eric Abraham. Uh, that was the first one. Then the second one was a Pennsylvania ID. The interesting part about that one, Adam, at the time, Pennsylvania, when you went in for your driver's license, did not ask you if you were male or female. They did not require that <laughs> notation. So you could bring in a birth certificate of a female as a male, and as long as it, was, as it was a unisex name, you could get the ID. So I got an ID, not again with my picture. It was someone had done it. They had turned 21. They gave me the ID, and that was Pennsylvania. That was Stacy Schwartz. <laughs> so I was Stacy Schwartz for a year in order to get into drinking establishments uh. and buy liquor at uh, the local liquor store. I'm genuinely <laughs> Maybe that's your Twitter handle. I don't know. At Stacy Schwartz. I've never given up my Twitter handle. It could be. It could be at Stacy Schwartz 14. You don't know. I thought my Brian Cornfield idea was pretty good. But <laughs> Stacy Schwartz takes, takes the case. With a different I, picture. With, with a picture. picture of a guy totally that had black hair. <laughs> And I looked, I mean, his name was Eric Stamps. So I think the statute of limitations is up, I'm going to say. Yeah. This was 1988 into 89. So I was Stacy Schwartz with a picture of Eric Stamps from Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania. Yes. Obviously. I and you're the best. I, I appreciate this. This is absolutely <laughs> hilarious and hysterical. Love the sports takes, my friend. Keep up the great work. The best. I've ever seen and heard behind the play-by-play -play microphone. And listen, everything you've ever done for me in my career, I wrote you a letter when I was a student at Syracuse. You, you wrote me back right away. So, a mensch, I appreciate it. I know everyone at Syracuse who is my age and after does as well. So, thank you for being you. And I just love that story about I have a question for you, Dick. So, appreciate the time <laughs> as always, I 
I love you, bud. It's always great talking to you. I'm, I'm just beyond proud every time I turn on the radio or turn on TV. And I think back to you know, meeting you as a young guy and all your dreams for you to achieve them, attain them, do what you love and have it just come out of your pores in the way that it does is is something that puts a smile on people's faces. So I hope you know how much joy you spread and I love chatting with you. I love seeing you and love listening to you and watching you. So keep up the great work and we'll do it again. My guy, the great Iron Eagle. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Iron Eagle, the best. Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM, our listeners on Pandora. Thanks to our listeners on Apple Podcasts and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round. So please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my SiriusXM radio show, Channel Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.